Hello. Welcome to the legend of Robin Hood of Sherwood. Chapter 7. The Friar of the Fountain. By the end of their first year of stealing from the corrupt rich and giving to the poor, Robin Hood and his merry men were the most famous outlaws in England. Numbering over 150, they filled Robber's Glade with the sounds of chatter and clashes of weaponry as they trained. The vast hidden clearing began to resemble a small town. Robin Hood had acquired a skilled cook, pinched from under the nose of the sheriff. He had also recently managed to obtain what passed for a doctor in 12th century England in the form of the rather unsettlingly named Peter the Quack. The leader of the band, though, decided the men needed spiritual comfort as much as fine food and medical services. He was discussing this with Will Scarlet one day when Peter interrupted him. I know of a friar who may join us, he said. He's known, among other things, as Brother Michael, or the Friar of the Fountain. I know he's left his order and feeds on the king's deer. He's a big and powerful man, but is overfond of wine and venison pie. This has made him very jolly and fat, but, I'm told, he's still nimble and an expert with the sword. It's said he was thrown out of the Brotherhood of Kirklees because of his riotous living. He abides somewhere by the river, although I don't know exactly where. Robin nodded sagely. He would travel to the river and seek out this renegade holy man. Now, though, there was work to do. Arthur Abland, who was on duty watching the comings and goings at the northern fringes of the forest, blew on his horn. It was the sound that meant some suitable target was approaching. Robin led some of his men to the road which passed through the edge of Sherwood, and they hid in the undergrowth. Before long, they spotted the potential prey. A couple of richly dressed merchants approached, fine silks adorning their mounts. It was clear that Robin's reputation was growing. The merchants were accompanied by ten or more armed men and a fully armoured knight. Robin, Will Scarlet and Little John stepped into the road, bows raised. The men-at-arms and merchants stopped in their tracks, momentarily spooked. The knight, though, knew his duty. Dropping his visor, he drew his sword and thundered down on Robin. Robin, despite being unarmoured, dropped his bow and drew his own sword. The knight grinned, although nobody could see his grin as it was covered by the metal of his visor. He raised his blaze to swing at the outlaw's leader, but Robin evaded the blow and nimbly jumped out of the way. Then, in a single movement, he twisted his sword slightly and slapped the knight's horse in the face with the flat side. The stallion, quite understandably, reared and threw the astonished knight from its back. Then, deciding he wasn't sticking around as nobody was playing fair, he galloped away. The knight, not senseless by the fall, said nothing. The rest of the ambushing party made themselves evident. Robin ordered the men-at-arms to drop their weapons. Given that they were outnumbered at least three to one, they did as they were told. The older of the two merchants dropped to his knees and begged for mercy, while the other stood quietly, seemingly accepting his fate whatever that was to be. The older merchant, still on his knees, was carrying two silver candlesticks. Robin took them and weighed them. There was an awful lot of silver in them, and they were clearly very valuable. The merchant pleaded with Robin. Please give me those back. They're for the sheriff's wife, and he will have me whipped if I don't bring them to him. I am a fair man, replied Robin, and you are a rich one. I will give you the candlesticks if you give me ten gold marks for each one. But I only have ten marks in my saddlebag. I can't pay. Robin turned to the other man. And you? I have fifteen in all. The rest I've used to buy the goods that I carry, he said calmly. Little John, Will Scarlet, search them. Little John rifled through the bags belonging to the younger merchant and found that he did indeed have fifteen gold coins. Will Scarlet, though, found forty in the possession of the older one. 
Grinning from ear to ear, he handed the coins to his master. So we have a liar among us. Keep the forty marks and the candlesticks, Mr Scarlet, and anything else he carries. Then tie him to his mule and send him on his way. The lying merchant was tightly secured to his mount, and the men-at-arms were stripped of their weapons. The merchant was given a sound thwacking by little John, and the miserable party made their sorry way out of the forest. The younger merchant was invited to dine with the outlaws. He had told the truth, and he was welcome among the merry men. All of his goods would be returned to him. A little nervously, he agreed to eat with the outlaws. As he was making up his mind, much the miller's son ran up to Robin. The night's woken up, he panted, and he's promising to hang me. Much, he's tied up and he can't hurt you. Bring him along. He can dine with us too. So the outlaws of Sherwood Forest, an honest merchant and a tightly bound knight, made their way to Robber's Glade. The knight was blindfolded, but the merchant, because he had told the truth, wasn't. They were safely in their large camp before the knight's blindfold was removed. Robin asked him if he'd like to dine with them, but the haughty knight told him in no uncertain terms that he wasn't eating with rogues and footpads. He demanded that he was given his sword and arms back, and challenged Robin to a fight. Robin laughed. He doesn't want to eat with us much, but he will smell the fine fare cooked by the sheriff's chef. Tie him to that tree downwind. We will make him hungry. Dinner was served. The king's deer was eaten with gusto by the merry men. Wild boar, pheasants and hares were also on offer, all prepared and roasted perfectly by the cook. The merchant ate heartily. Little John, though, ate twice as much. Then he washed it down with a gallon or so of ale. The merchant looked on in awe. Never have I seen any man put away so much at a single sitting, except perhaps the friar of the fountain. Robin raised his eyebrows. He had made up his mind he would find the renegade churchman. The friar of the fountain? Tell me more about him. He is a mighty feeder and a jolly man, excellent company. I had the good fortune to dine with him by the shallow ford in the river where he's made his home. Now tell me, what must I pay for this excellent meat? No, sir, you've paid enough with your honesty. Now it is time to deal with this knight. Robin wandered over to the bound nobleman. He was Norman in appearance. He had small, deep-set eyes and a cruel turn of his mouth. Now, who are you who dares insult me in my own domain? I'm not answering you. I won't speak to rogues. Robin turned to the merchant. Good sir, what is the name of this Norman? He is Sir Roger de Gran. Of course, exclaimed Robin. I should have recognised him. He's one of Isambard de Belarm's crew from Evil Hold. I heard he put out the eyes of two serfs with his own hands, just because they took a hair from his lands. Yes, exclaimed Much, and I heard he murdered a woman. He's known as Roger the Cruel. Roger the Cruel, what a perfect name. And he doesn't even fight fair. He made to cut me down earlier today when I was unarmed. So, little John, what should we do with him? Shall we hang him for his crimes? You wouldn't dare, spluttered Roger. I am a knight of the realm. You filthy Norman hog. You are a disgrace to the orders of chivalry. Nobody, nobody tells Robin Hood what he dares or dares not to do. Much, Scarlet, untie this noble fool. Little John, restrain him while we strip him to his underclothes. We won't foul our home by hanging this villain. Sir Roger, we will blindfold you once more and lead you away from our home. Four men will follow you with wooden staves. Every tenth step you take will be celebrated with a blow from one of the staves. By the time you reach the edge of this forest, you will understand the pain you have inflicted on others. Robin was as good as his word. 
As Roger the Cruel staggered out of the woods, he thought he had never felt such pain. Robin turned to the merchant. Sir, you have dined with us and seen some of our justice, but we treat honest men fairly. At the edge of the forest, all of your goods will be returned to you. We have no quarrel with fair-minded and upstanding merchants who make an honest living. But before you go, tell me more about the friar of the fountain. Where exactly will I find him? He was a brother at Kirkley's, but he's not there any more. He didn't want to fast and do penances, so they sent him away past Sheffield and into the county of Nottingham. If you travel past St Mary's Abbey, you will find a bend in the river. Follow the river upstream for three miles until you find a place where the flow of the water quickens as the water becomes shallower. There you will find him, living as a hermit, probably fishing for salmon or going out for a deer. Robin thanked the merchant and bade him farewell. The next morning, Robin rose early. He roused little John, slumbering late after his mighty meal, and then woke Will Scarlet, Arthur Bland, and David of Doncaster. They all dressed in their Lincoln green uniforms, even Will Scarlet. Scarlet knew the forest better than any of them, and he led the merry band past St Mary's and to the river. The other outlaws followed him for the three miles along the river until Will stopped them. Robin, he whispered, just beyond that bend in the river is a ford where the water is only just above waist deep. On the other side of the river is a thicket which provides good cover. My guess is that you will find the friar there. I know you want to meet him alone. We will hide here. Robin nodded and made his way quietly upstream until he spotted the thicket. He looked about him. A broad willow tree grew angled over the river, not growing straight upwards but leaning. It provided a cool, refreshing shade from the summer sun. Under the tree, enjoying the shade and tucking into the largest venison pasty known to man, was a very portly fellow dressed in the habit of a monk. He had a huge round head with a shock of curly black hair. The crown of his head was shorn to the scalp, just as a monk's head should be. His cheeks were covered with a curly black beard and his neck was as thick as a bull's. He tucked into his pasty with all the gusto of a man who enjoyed his food more than he should. Every now and then he washed it down with a monstrous swig of ale from an enormous bottle. The friar finished his pasty, took an even more gargantuan swig of his ale and began to sing. Robin, knowing the song well, joined in as he approached. As soon as the monk heard the singing, he leapt up far more nimbly than should be expected from such a huge man. He drew a massive broadsword from beneath his robes and pointed it at the intruder. What have we here? A spy? Come here and I'll carve you into fine cuts of meat. No, I'm not a spy, replied Robin, but I am a thirsty traveller. Please let me have a drink from your ale bottle. Well, I am a Christian and I shouldn't refuse. Here. The monk handed Robin the bottle and the outlaw drank thirstily. Now tell me, said Robin as he drew the last draught of ale and handed the bottle back to the monk. Do you know where I can find the friar of the fountain? I have heard he lives on the other side of the river. The friar took back the bottle and tried to drink from it. He was not amused to find out it was entirely empty. Maybe because of this, maybe because he was a scholar of logic, or maybe because he was simply a bit of a smarty-pants, he replied somewhat opaquely. But which side is the other side? If we considered this side to be this side, then the other side is the other side. On the other hand, if the other side is the first side, then this side is the other side. Therefore, both sides of the river are the other side. Very well argued, replied Robin. I will assume for the moment that this side is this side and so the other side is the other side. I will need to cross the river to find the friar of the fountain. 
He whipped out his sword and pointed it at the friar's throat before he could react. You, my fine fat friend, will carry me. The monk laughed. Did not St Christopher carry the stranger across the river? I am a Christian like him, and so of course I will carry you. Put that sword away, young man. In fact, give it to me. I will put it under my robes and protect it from the water. The friar lifted his robes up to his knees so he could walk through the shallow water. He strode to the edge of the river and bowed slightly so Robin could get on his back. Robin handed him his sword and climbed aboard. The monk strode over easily, his massive tree-trunk legs supporting the weight of two men and two swords. When they reached the opposite bank, Robin climbed off and thanked him. The friar smiled. Then he pulled Robin's sword from his robes and made to hand it to the outlaw. Just as Robin was about to take it, though, he snatched it back. Then he drew his own sword and pointed both of them at the Lord of Sherwood's throat. He grinned. My turn to ride. Robin Hood realised he'd been beaten by the trickery of the churchman. OK, he said, but give me my sword. Then we will both have a weapon and neither of us will try any tricks. The friar nodded and handed Robin his sword. Robin watched as the monk replaced his own sword inside his robes. Beneath the habit, Robin could see a sword belt. This time it was Robin Hood who bent slightly so the massive monk could climb on his back. The friar was, of course, very, very heavy, and the outlaw struggled to straighten his knees with him on his back. He just about made it, though. He grabbed onto the monk's sword belt to try and keep him on his back, in a way the friar's immense bulk was distributed evenly enough to allow Robin to walk. He set off, slowly and with immense effort, across the ford. On the other bank, still hidden, Will Scarlet laughed so hard that tears streamed down his face. Little John, a touch more cautious, watched anxiously. Robin Hood carried the monk all the way to the bank where his men were hiding. The friar leapt from his back. As he did so, Robin snatched the sword from his sword belt. When the monk landed on the ground, he was minus his fine broadsword. Robin grinned. Will Scarlet, unable to contain himself any more, clapped loudly from his hiding place. The friar seemed not to notice the sudden applause. Now I have you. The tables are turned once more, said Robin Hood. Carry me across the river again. The friar realised he had no choice. He turned to Robin. OK, sir, I'm bored of this game. Give me back my sword and I will replace it in my belt. There's no way I can draw it while carrying you and it's time to end this folly. Robin handed him the sword. He took it and then allowed Robin Hood to clamber on his back once more. He strode out quickly and easily and soon reached the halfway point where the water was at its deepest. Here he stopped for a moment, asking Robin meekly if he could catch his breath. Robin assented and the monk stopped. Then, with one mighty heave of his immense shoulder, he pitched the leader of the Sherwood Outlaws into the river. Robin Hood flew over the friar's head and hit the water with an almighty splash. It took him a few moments to work out what had happened before he picked himself up. By the time Robin had realised he'd been spectacularly duped, the friar of the fountain was back on the river, where he sat eating yet another pasty. When Robin arrived wet and bedraggled, the monk was waiting for him. Who are you? You are bold and impudent, I'll give you that. Robin bowed. I am Robin of Loxley, but people call me Robin Hood. The monk smiled broadly. So I've made the man who sent Guy of Gisborne home in just his shirt carry me across the stream. I'm glad to meet you, sir, a man who likes priors and abbots as little as I like them myself. I am the Friar of the Fountain, otherwise known as Brother Michael, 
but my friends call me Friar Tuck. Join us, said Robin. I can promise you venison, roast swan, pheasants and wine. We need a chaplain in our band. How can I refuse, smiled Friar Tuck. Robin raised his hand as a signal, and Will Scarlet led Little John, Arthur and David out of their hiding places. Together they all walked back towards Robber's Glade. Robin smiled inwardly, congratulating himself on another job well done. Next time, there'll be another addition to the band, and a very special one. Until then, have a great couple of weeks, and I'll speak to you next time.